0: We are studying the book of Genesis from the standpoint of how can we make application to our personal lives all these many years later after Moses wrote this stuff down. It's the most ancient book in the Bible as far as covering the materials, uh, the material that's being covered. It takes us all the way back to creation. That's what this picture is supposed to illustrate for us. But as we move through this marvelous book, and we're up to chapter 36, I've been trying to take at least one principle from each chapter and apply it to our present day lives. And chapter 36 is one of those that actually turns out pretty easily to make application to you and I because of a false doctrine that is very prominent within Christianity today. Here are five questions that we're going to deal with in this particular lesson. So screenshot that, then you can fill in the blanks and you'll be ready to go as we move through this lesson. Got it? All right, the question for today is, did God hate Esau? Well, if you go to Romans chapter 9, verse 13, as it is written, Jacob I love, but Esau I hated. I think the answer becomes quite plain. I mean, these are the words of God and we trust God, right? So did God hate Esau? Yes, absolutely. Without question. He said it. I believe it. <clears throat> However, I think it's important for you to, I, and I to define that word hate. And we're going to do that in just a moment. But first, I'd like to contrast that passage with what is said in Genesis 36, our launchpad, making application to the chapters of Genesis as we move through them. I want you to see what happens here in Genesis 36. Then Esau took his wives, his sons, and his daughters, and all the members of the household, his livestock, and all the beasts, and all the property that he had, that he acquired in the land of Canaan. Sound like he was blessed. He got a lot of stuff. He then went into a land away from his brother Jacob, for their possessions were too great for them to dwell together. That sounds a lot like Abraham and Lot. In other words, while Jacob was gone off getting his wives and all of his stuff, Esau was staying back home, and he was growing pretty rich himself. James would say, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. That's God. And so I can only assume that one of the reasons that he was blessed and has a lot of possessions, is because God was favoring Esau in this setting. The land of their sojournings could not support them because of the livestock. They had too much stuff. So Isaac, excuse me, Esau settled in the, in the hill country of Seir, Esau is Edom. Skip on down to verse 9 in this interesting chapter. By the way, chapter 36 is the one chapter in all the Bible that's devoted entirely to Esau. And so if he is hated by God, it's interesting that God gives him an entire chapter of his own. And by the way, this chapter is all documenting his history. You know, if he was not somebody that was unique to God, why give us all of this particular information? Why, You know, he doesn't do that with Pharaoh, for instance, but he does with Esau. Again, I think that we need, I'm trying to suggest to you that we've got to be careful how we define this word hate over here. I'm fixing to do that by using the Bible to interpret the Bible here in a moment. But I want you to notice as you get down to verse 19, or excuse me, verse 9, that Esau is going to become the father of a nation, the Edomites. Verse 40, within that nation, you're going to have a bunch of names of the chiefs of Esau. A bunch of rulers within the nation, within this this group of, of folks, is going to reign. And they come from Esau. My only point is to say that for somebody that God hates, Esau was able to acquire a lot of stuff, he was able to become a powerful individual, and he evidently establishes a lineage that in itself is quite impressive. Now, let me rush to add this, Esau is no Jacob. Jacob is the child of promise, has been the child of promise before Jacob and Esau were ever born. But that being said, that doesn't mean that Esau was completely abandoned or deserted. Let me show you from Scripture, allowing the Scripture to define Scripture, how we can see this word hatred here. If you are part of the Calvinistic doctrines of things, and most of Christianity today does succumb to that false teaching, you would suggest then that because of election, Esau was hated. In other words, unconditional election took place with regards to Esau. The reason I know that is because, watch it up here, though they were not yet born or had done nothing, either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, he hates Esau. And so if you're a Calvinist, you're saying to yourself, well, that means before they did anything, God decided he would hate somebody. And I don't necessarily disagree with that. What I disagree with is their application of that. I think we've got to ask ourselves, in what sense did God hate Esau? You say, well, hate's hate. Is it? Let the Bible define the Bible. Remember, that's huge. That, that, that is an absolutely under, one of the most important undergirding pillars of the Restoration School of Biblical Studies. The restoration process is to go back and let God speak for himself. I want to restore respect for God, not only in letting him speak, but letting him define what he just said. So if we let the Bible define the Bible, at the end of the day, what do you got? The Bible, which is the word of God. If you take mankind's viewpoint, at the end of the day, what are you going to have? At very best, you're only going to have a diluted version of what God has said. So what does God actually say about this idea of hatred? a little word study with this idea of hate and notice that it's the same root word hate and hate in luke chapter 14 verse 26 jesus is going to tell us that we need to hate our parents if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and his wife his children his brothers his sisters yes and his own life he cannot be my disciple jesus is actually going to say we need to hate it's commanded of you to hate you got to hate your mom and dad you got to hate your wife You gotta hate your brothers and sisters. You gotta hate yourself. That is commanded of Jesus. So, what do you do with that? In what way am I to hate myself? In what sense of the term hate are we to apply this in our own lives? Answer He loved Esau or favored him so much less than Jacob that it was as if it were hatred. The favoritism, and by the way, as I've already pointed out in other times, if you study the book of Genesis, almost the entire second half of Genesis is dedicated to Jacob. Esau gets one chapter. If you were to look at that just via numbers, you'd begin to see the extreme difference. Does God favor some people above others? Absolutely. Absolutely. Cindy and I support a little girl in Haiti. And because of our little bit of money that we give every month, that little girl is able to get an education and schooling and some food because of that. But you know, that little bit of money that Cindy and I send off, it comes out of our bank account automatically. We don't even miss it. It's gone. Boom. Don't even know that it's gone most of the time. I was born in America to godly parents. I have never been hungry, truly. Never been naked without clothing never been without shelter, never been threatened by terroristic groups around about me, as happens to my little girl in Haiti with regularity. Does God favor me above her? In a lot of ways, he does. God gave me advantages that he didn't give to my little girl in Haiti. So does that mean my little girl in Haiti is bound for hell because she doesn't have the same advantages that I have? Certainly not, certainly not. And in fact, my little girl in Haiti has has advantages over many other folks in Haiti who don't have somebody to sponsor them for schooling and clothing and food, all right? So does that mean she is destined for heaven and the rest of the folks in Haiti are destined for hell? Absolutely not. You can't draw those kind of conclusions. But what it does mean is that Sonny received advantages that my little girl in Haiti didn't receive. And my little girl in, in Haiti had received advantages that other folks in Haiti did not receive. And because of those advantages, there's great responsibility that comes our way, that we are supposed to deal with and use in a powerful way for him. Now let's come back to our lesson then. So as it is written, Jacob, I love, but Esau, I hate it. Did he really hate him? Given what you just read, and that's not even the entire chapter, but what? Read through the entire chapter of, 30, uh, of Genesis 36, and, and you tell me, does that really sound like a man that God hates? Now, you compare chapter 36 to all that is written about Jacob, and it's pretty clear that Esau wasn't favored like Jacob. But it's also important for us to recognize there's a reason that Jacob was or Esau wasn't favored like Jacob. And that is because Esau, Esau is not the child of promise. Jesus, the Christ, the son of the living God, is not going to come through the lineage of Esau. He's going to come through the lineage of of Jacob. And so there there is a blessing of opportunity that was given to Jacob that was not given to Esau. And it was up to Jacob to make full use of that opportunity. And he did in a lot of ways. He still had a lot of problems even at the end of his life. But Jacob was an individual who went through an amazing transition. Read the last half of Genesis. Amazing growing up experiences that took place because he had received the favor of God. I need you to understand every person on the planet has been elected to some degree. Even the little baby who just has the opportunity to breathe air for the first time and only lives a couple weeks that baby is elected. There's advantages that came to that baby that should be celebrated. Some of us are elected in more intense ways than others. My, my youngest son has an election that I, I've kind of envied, if you will. He's a crazy good artist. And there's so much I could do with his artistry in my own ministry. I doodle, but I, I don't do the artry, artistry that he does. And I I, I sometimes think to myself, man, what I could do with, but that's not my election. That's not my advantage. That's Gabriel's advantage. And God bless him for having that. And there's no sense of me sitting around wishing that I could be him. What I've got to do is make sure I take full advantage of my election where I am. Think about it. How cool would it have been to be Peter or John and write the book of Revelation when Wow, imagine being elected with that level of intensity. You weren't. You ain't never going to be. So what are you going to do with it? You can sit around and you can wish that I was John. Or you can say, but I do have this advantage. I do have this election. And take full advantage of it. As you, again, come back to our passage in Romans chapter 9, you find what Calvinists like to emphasize. And that is before these two boys were even born, before Jacob or Esau ever even came into the world, they had been elected. God had decided that he was going to love one and going to hate the other. He was going to advantage one and disadvantage the other. Election is a matter of predetermined favor, but it is not predetermined salvation or damnation. If I hate my father, does that naturally mean that I have damned him to a separation from me forever? If I say I love my God in heaven so much more than my father on earth, that it's almost as if I hate my father on earth. Does that mean I have no relationship with my father on earth? God never called us to kill our parents. He never called us to isolate ourselves from our parents. He called us to love them less. And Jesus actually describes it as a hate. And I believe that it's the same concept that's being used here in Romans chapter 9. God never called Esau to hell. He simply called him to be loved less. I don't think you have to determine, decide that Esau is in hell because of his lifestyle, etc. Now, I'll admit, when you look at his life, he certainly didn't take advantage of the advantages that he even did have, even though they were less advantaged. He was less advantaged than Jacob. Even some of those he didn't take full advantage of. But there were some things that you can appreciate with regards to Esau. When his brother came home, Esau could have killed him, but he didn't. And when his brother came home, Esau could have said to his little brother after they decided, hey, you know what? We got too much stuff and there's no way for you and I to both live together. Esau could have said, listen, little brother, you're going to have to move off. But he didn't. You know what Esau actually does? Read chapter 36. Esau actually leaves the promised land so that his little brother can take over. And it was his little brother who faulted him or wronged him, stole for him, etc. Now again, I know you can say that was all within God's plan, and it certainly was. But the perversion of Calvinism is that we have no free will. And if we have no free will, then God essentially extrapolated out, folks. If you got no free will, God is responsible for your sin. He is the one who makes you sin. And I I just can't accept that. Esau had the free will. And he made the free will choice not to kill his little brother when he came home. And not to keep the property for himself, but to move off so his little brother could have it when he moved home. Did God hate Esau? Absolutely. But what does hate mean? Total depravity. Unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, perseverance of the saints. Those are the five undergirding pillars of Calvinism, the false doctrine of Calvinism. And when you start with total depravity, that, we, that is, we have all inherited the sin of Adam. And so from the womb, you are corrupt. You know, they believe in evil babies, essentially. If you come to that conclusion, then you also come to the conclusion that only some of those evil babies will be saved by God. Others will be cast into hell. And it really doesn't matter what they did or did not do. God predetermined whether they're going to heaven or hell long before they ever existed. And they would use Romans 9 to make that point. Not yet, but born, before they were even born, and had done nothing, either good or bad. They hadn't even done anything. That's when they got elected. So if election means salvation or damnation, that means that God, before you do anything, God has already decided whether or not you're going to heaven or hell. How just is that? If God is going to say, try all you want, but you're not coming to heaven. If God is going to say, for that little baby who doesn't even know how to sin, I'm sending you to hell just because I want to send you to hell. How just is that? Election does not mean salvation or damnation. Election means advantaged or less advantaged. And understanding that helps you to appreciate why Esau gets an entire chapter, even though he's somebody that God hated. God hated him in the same sense that we are called to hate our parents, to love less, to be favored less, but not to be ostracized, isolated, elected for damnation without us ever making a choice of our own. It's the damnable doctrine of Calvinism. Don't be a Calvinist. Here are the five questions that we tried to cover. I think we did a halfway decent job. You got them? Boy, I love you. I appreciate you for being with me every Sunday. Be there, Matthew 16, 26.